Welcome to Trail and Error, a look at the trail running world from the podium to the pack with your hosts Jay Grady and Tristan Stevenson. We decided to start our own trail running podcast to talk to the people we find interesting in the trail and ultra running world, to find out their highs and lows, their momentous successes and their abject failures, and to perhaps give us all a little bit of inspiration to take on some adventures and challenges of our own. We'll be speaking to runners and athletes, race directors and coaches, sports nutritionists and doctors to get the best out of our own running and hopefully yours too. We hope you enjoy the podcast and if you do, please hit like and subscribe via all the normal podcast feeds. But for now, let's get on with the show. Okay, this week Tris and I are joined by endurance runner and Ultra runner, that's a mouthful, Dr. Elsie Davis. Elsie, hey, how are you? Hi, yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Hello, yeah, all good, all good. Well, I wouldn't label myself as an ultra runner just yet. Really? <laughs> I don't think, think I've ever run further than a marathon, so. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. So, what's the longest run you've ever done? Just a um, marathon? Yeah, sometimes, obviously, on trail, they they say it's a marathon, but it's a few miles over. But, yeah, not not much more than that. <laughs> Te- technically, we'll take that. That's an ultra. Yeah. <laughs> Anything over a marathon, right? Exactly. 26.3. Yeah. Take it. Uh, it's so funny with trail, trail marathons, isn't it? They're never, never spot on, ever. And you think, well, it's not, it must be possible to make it pretty much spot on, but it's almost like the trails move. And, uh, you know, from one year to the next, the distance changes or whatever because the trails are sort of shuffled this way or that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think we did, well, we both did the arc and I think mine came out at 103-something. I don't know what your watch came out at, Tris. Um, oh, I don't know. I think <clears throat> with most ultras I've done, it tends to be slightly longer than what they say it's going to be. But that that could be more just a flaw in the... GPS devices is the distance itself, I suppose. I mean, it could be anything, right? How, how do you go about measuring a trail, you know? <laughs> and those little wheelie well, imagine things. Imagine those extra three miles feel yeah. <laughs> pretty hellish. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, I, I, I always think when <clears throat> with most races, I don't know what you guys think about this, but from a psychological point of view, it's not good to count down the remaining miles. But if you are going to do that, then you need to sort of almost overshoot it um in your head be like right i'm gonna this isn't 100 miles i'm running it's 105 okay and then when it turns out it's only 103 that that's amazing because you didn't have to those last what a win. <laughs> 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 they did studies on that where they've messed around with people's uh understanding of of where the races finish and the people that yeah uh they've all run the same distance but the ones that think they've run further feel worse so yeah def- <laughs> definitely in the head um elsie you've you've kind of you're well in the way to the transition from from away from road so for those that don't know you you are a, a gb vest holder uh you did it for for, for road running for, for quite a few years haven't you well you've done it for quite a few years and you're slowly transitioning to mountain running yeah that's right yeah so uh very much started although i've always run on trails i've always competed on roads until the last year or so um so yeah last year was first year of giving it a go competitively and I haven't really looked back <laughs> you, you, you first placed on the Iger Trail didn't you yeah that was a phenomenal first race to do it on uh, yeah just the, uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've been to the area but it's just so beautiful and the trails are is it Grindelwald perfect. 
yeah it's like a little magical place in in the mountains you kind of you fly fly into Zurich and then um you go on this amazing train that that weaves through the mountains and you get there and it's just like just stunning um sounds like Narnia yeah (laughs) expensive Narnia maybe like (laughs) 10 euros for a bottle of water and things but uh kind of worth it because where you are (laughs) how far is that race what's the distance um so that was just that was 35 kilometers um but that was the most elevation i've ever run full stop in any in any race or run um so it was kind of seeing how i'd cope and then not really knowing as well how i feel when you get up to altitude and Mm. things um and i kind of did it as a tune-up to the scarfell marathon which was the the big race i was targeting to qualify to run for gb at the world's um, and so it was, I kind of used it to practice fueling and things like that. But, um, what what yeah, was the nice. elevation like on the Iger? Uh, I think it was for the 35 kilometers, it was about eight or 9,000 feet. I don't, yeah, I don't know how many that That sort of distance. Yeah, it? it was yeah. really, it was really, really like just, <laughs> you could, it's hard to get the same in England, like three, four miles of like 20 to 30% gradients. Um, mm. But but on the plus side, the, the actual trail is really solid and good to run on. It's the trails out there are just like great. They're almost like road, um, apart from the steepness of them. Uh, well, they get so many hikers over them, don't they? They compact down really well. And yeah, um, yeah it's uh, it's interesting when you see some of the footage of, of uh, the the August UTMB events where you'll find people come to a, what, what I would consider a Corm- in Cornwall, you know, slight uh, rock fall. And there's a queue for 15 minutes of, of people trying to cross over these rocks that are just like click ahead or something, you know, and yeah. it's, they're like, this is technical trail for them. And it's uh, it does show you how good the trails are in, in a lot of those mountain areas. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, really nice. I definitely so when you're met back. with these like 20 to 30% gradient hills, Presumably you're like sort of power hiking out there. You're not running the whole thing if it's like two or three miles. Yeah, so I try. I did try and run them all. I, I did pretty much run all of it, but I'd probably, I don't know if I would have been quicker walking. So it was a bit of a weird one because I got, I was like worrying whether to take poles and things because I looked in all the photos and being a rookie, I just didn't know. Like everyone had poles in the photos. So I panicked and bought some the week before having never used any. Um, <laughs> and then I realized I couldn't take them in my hand luggage and I only bought oh, no. them in my <laughs> So I thought, well, that's it decided then. So I just won't take any. <clears throat> and then the first incline, uh, I was in third or fourth place and the girls in front of me were like, I was like running, you know, tiptoeing up, <clears throat> trying to keep a tempo just because I feel like if I keep a rhythm, it's better for me. So I was like <laughs> running um, in inverted commas and they were just walking with their poles and getting away from me. Um, but I found like after that first hill, I wasn't actually too far behind them. And because I don't know, maybe because I had my hands free, I was still able to fuel and um, my energy levels were okay. Cause I guess I was kind of still doing the motion of running, whereas I'm not used, I don't like, I don't really like walking. So I'd never hike anywhere. <laughs> so I think if, maybe if I'd hiked it, you would have used muscles that I'm not used to. Mm. Um, and then as soon as I got to hill, I was kind of away from there. Um, so I didn't need to panic too much about the poles in the end. And I think probably I would have finished feeling pretty sore in the upper limbs, <laughs> having yeah. never used them in, with, with poles. And I think probably going forward, unless I started skiing or using them more in training, then I probably wouldn't 
wouldn't bother with them. That's probably quite an individual thing. It's a different skill set altogether, I think. I mean, I, I've done, I think I've done two races where I've carried poles, one where I used them. The one where I used them was a disaster. Um, and I did a little bit of training with them as well. <clears throat> and I quickly came to the conclusion, I came to the conclusion in the training, so I don't know why I bothered taking them on the race, that I needed to practice a lot with them in order to make it in any way an efficient way of moving around the place. I was, I was yeah. spending more energy for going the same speed like yeah. shifting these balls around the place and that's not really the point of them I, I reckon if you're a ninja with them then they can be really valuable especially as the distance gets longer and with, with you know heavy elevation on, on yeah trails. but if you're just turning up to race day with a set of poles uh, that you have never really used before then I, I imagine it's going to be costly in terms of energy and, and your time yeah I think a lot of athletes do schema and things in the winter Mm. I guess that that if they do that, then it kind of helps. Mm. Um, but like yeah, you say, it's definitely something to practice. It disrupts your. We we spoke about this before, where it it, it like you you hit the nail on the head. It, it disrupts your normal uh, fueling because if your hands are full, you know if you're used to packing in the nutrients on the climbs, then uh, of course if you've got your hands pumping away on on poles climbing up, then yeah, that you're going to get to the top of and wasted all that refueling opportunity. So uh, yeah. definitely, if you if it's not used to it, then um, yeah, kind of. I'm in agreement actually. If, you, if you're not used to using them, then then don't. If you haven't used them in training, I guess in the longer, in the real well. ultra stuff, it, it makes probably makes more of a difference because mm. it does give your legs a bit of a break. Um, you can get probably get away with it for a marathon distance, but when it gets longer, I think that's when they become more of a tool. Big hindrance. Yeah, you, you find find that they get tangled up in whatever's next to the trail as well, so you end up like dragging them out of bushes or whatever. It's like, damn, bloody thing. <laughs> in Cornwall, you do. Well, yeah, you do. I mean, now trails where you've got stuff, like, growing at the side, it's like, you know, it's, it's almost like they're designed to slow you down sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the system. Um, so, Ricardo, what, what really, what led you to do the change? What what the discipline change from, from road to, to trail? Because you're a Cornish native, for those people that don't know. And um, you kind of, you, you well, I always see uh, images of yourself and, and, and Will and the others training down on the North Coast. So what led you, to, was it just a, did it feel like a natural move to do? Did it, was it um, something that you've kind of wanted to do for a while? Was it um, just a, a, a new challenge? Yeah, so um, I guess it kind of happened gradually and, um, I just was drawn to it slowly. Um, so I've always been quite confident on trail because of growing up in Cornwall, doing a lot of coast path runs. Is, and it, like you said, it can be quite technical. And I, w- I wouldn't have really thought of that way until someone points it out and said, God, it's, yeah, it's terrifying on the coast path. <laughs> but I guess because if you grow up with it and you're used to it, then it's not too bad. Um, and I went training in Front Rameau, uh, like marathon training, where a lot of the kind of elite marathon runners go for the altitude and I went on a few trail runs there with some of the girls and I realized that kind of on that terrain I would fly away from them on the downhills and stuff and I hadn't appreciated that that I had that skill at all until they pointed it out and then I think it was um, Ali Dixon who competed in the Olympics for the marathon she 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 kind of said oh I should give the mountains a go and at that time I was kind of a bit injured so I was like, oh, yeah, well, it could be quite a good thing to to do while I'm coming back. And, you know, it's not so much focus on time, so I might enjoy it a bit more. 
So on the back of coming back from Front Remo, I, I did my first like short mountain race. Um, and it was pretty humbling. <laughs> you know, it was it was the short trial, <clears throat> GB trial for the, uh, the Worlds. Um, it was like 2019. Um, I just, oh, it was just awful. <laughs> I don't think I appreciated how hard it is to run that fast, that steep for that length of time. And I just, you know, did a few hill reps. I did just a few more hill reps than normal and the build up to it instead of any sort of mountain training and thought that I'd be able to get away with just having the speed. But it's just absolutely not the case. And I'm really humbled. I, I think I, I really, really wanted to just turn turn back around halfway at the hill. And just <laughs> <laughs> I just found it so tough. But um, I kind of, I, I wanted to do better and I knew that probably I had to do more focused training for that. Um, and then gradually I was doing 50-50, trying to train for both, got injured because it's so it's hard to get both right. I think, mm. I think you've, you've either got to commit to one or the other and you can periodize it. So do one in the winter, one in the summer sort of thing, but not at the same time. So while I'd like to maintain my like road speed while I mountain train, I'm not necessarily going to be in PB shape sort of thing. So when I tried to do both, I ended up getting a stress fracture um, just because I think the load of trying to run fast on the road and then caning it on the trails and all that descent, you know, I think it just took a toll in the end. Um, so I kind of thought, well, I need to commit to one. Um, and the more I started trail running, the more I enjoyed it and lost my kind of want to compete on the roads a little bit. Um, lost your road mojo. Yeah. And I got a bit, I don't know, I got a bit fed up with the shoe technology as well, if I'm honest, on the road. It kind of lost, so all like times and things lost meaning to me a little bit because everyone was kind of, anytime anyone did a good time, it would get slated and questioned. So it kind of felt a bit pointless and personally as well I just didn't know what it all meant anymore and you know I'd finish a race and feel a bit like deflated because I'd be like well how much was that me and how much was the shoe sort of thing um so I think that as well was like part of a factor you know and I I think it's hard to so it's a pure pure sport in a way then yeah yeah exactly yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, how far all that's going to go with the assistance from the shoes? Because, I, I mean, the, 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 obviously the, the one that most people will go on about is when we're talking about kit in trail running is people will say cheat sticks for, for poles like we just talked about. But there's an element of, of everything being a bit of a cheat unless you're running, you know, bare-assed through a forest. <laughs> um, all of our kit is some form of uh, adaptation and, and, and advantage. But there's there's definitely seems to be that... Um, I guess that commercial drive to make a shoe that costs a few hundred quid that is going to get the record that everybody then wants to buy that, you know, funds all that other stuff. So, and I don't think you necessarily get so much of that with trail running. There's a, you can't get that much advantage from, from the kit. I don't think, I mean, I'm, I chug along at the back, you guys at the front, but what, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's very hard to to get that same benefit on trail. Cause you know, if you want to get that stack height, then you're going to, twist your ankle <laughs> you could, the, the nature of the foam is just not gonna stand on a trail so um there's only so much help you can get going up steep hills like that and on technical terrain it's a lot of it there is some skill i suppose to it so um 
yeah and I think I just like the experience a bit more it feels less like pressure on um like performance and more kind of the experience I'm less worried about obviously time is irrelevant but I'm also less worried about position um kind of if I have a good race and the position comes naturally, um, mm. maybe it's because I'm new to the sport and there's no pressure because I've, it, it doesn't matter, like, you know, because there's no expectation or there wasn't um, last year. <laughs> yeah, you, you've screwed that up for yourself, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and it's just the place, I don't know, like you guys will know, the places it takes you is just mm. so much better. Um, you know, I go to races and road and it'd be so just be some random place in the middle of nowhere that just where the race is because it's flat but it'd be just barren and nothing beautiful to look at no enjoyment I wouldn't like be able to tell you anything I saw on the course whereas um you know I could talk about a race I've done on the trails I could go on about it for ages but <laughs> anyone would want to listen that much um yeah it's just the experience I think as well yeah very different it- it is. I mean, it's interesting, though, when we talk about purity, you do have to sort of consider, well, what does that mean? And which is the pure form? I mean, in some sense, trail running is because it's less contrived, right? The, you know, it's more the trails, although they're made by humans, they sort of follow nature that little bit more. And obviously, all the ups and downs and wiggles and rivers and all that kind of stuff. Roads, you know, are. Uh, almost designed for, well, they're designed for fast driving, but that sort of applies to, to running too. But because you don't have the scenery, you just, and you don't have the pack, I mean, this is for ultras and, you know, or whatever, um, and, you know, you don't have that connection with nature. Is it not, is it not almost a pure form of running? Because there's no distraction. It's just the running, right? It's the pace, it's the time, it's the speed, um, it's your feet on the ground and nothing else to sort of make it feel easier I, 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 <laughs> because well, it's beautiful. I guess the definition of running then is is why? Because if you're running to get somewhere, and I think that's the thing that trail running brings, you, you genuinely, well, they say, don't they, even if you start and finish in the same place, you change when you get back. But it it's you genuinely run from point A to point B. And and where with a with a track exa- extreme example of a track, obviously you're starting and finishing exactly the same place. Um, I think it's it seems to have it feel, certainly feels like more purposeful running to run uh, trail runs rather than road runs for me anyway. It feels like you're actually well, going on a journey. Yeah, it feels more purposeful. I agree with that. I'm talking about purity here, and yeah, let's take it to the ultimate extreme. Is the track doing loops of a track not the purest form of running because Water, it's just the running. That's it. There's nothing else to it. There's no trees. There's no trail. There's no wiggle. There's no change in terrain. There's no there's fun. No there's no enjoyment. There's, well, there's no that's interest. That, unfortunately, possibly, when you get down to the purest form of running, it is a very enjoyable. <laughs> what do you think, Elsie? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think um, it's hard to look at, at road as a pure sport, given like the last few years in technology. Yeah. But I think even not with technology, I think of pure running as like, you know, when we used to run through the wild to get mm. <laughs> uh, like our food and stuff. Um, and that feels like, you know, more like stuff that you do on a trail than the road. Mm. Um, I just Maybe like, it's different between the, the most you... natural <laughs> form of running and the purest form. I'm not sure they're necessarily the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
I guess as well, I find like trail running a bit more like, like I'm not really into like why I can't do mindfulness on its own without going for a run. Whereas I think that's probably the only place I can kind of just have kind of completely empty thoughts and just be completely in the moment. Because I think you have to focus on the way your feet are going, the next bit of terrain. So I find it like a better escape for me in mm. a way. Yeah. yeah, to get to to get yourself out of your head because you're not you don't have the opportunity to sort of think things over because you need to concentrate on the run. Whereas like a flat road run, you can kind of just you know play with your thoughts and think about what you're going to do later in the day and think about what you did yesterday and that kind of stuff. It's not the same kind of thing, is it? Yeah. What's going through your head as you're doing? Because you again, you guys move at the same speed. But obviously, what's what's your what's your thoughts going through your head as you're climbing? Is there is there any thoughts in, during a race that you're enjoying it, or is it purely afterwards? Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah, when I'm running, I I really enjoy it. I think that's the biggest difference that my wife has noticed is that when she used to watch me on the road, she'd say I'd have an upside down smile. So like, and that, I <laughs> I could recognise it in the photos. Like my mouth just goes upside down, and I look like I'm just in pain. Whereas almost all of my trail running photos, except the last race, <laughs> um, I'm smiling. You go. I think it's a bit like because because it's it's not like hard or hard like you can't go like hell for leather all the time because of the downhills and your heart rate has to come down then so you got time to recover and I think that because you get time to recover you can kind of reset and I just find the, the rhythm of it and yeah just where I am just I can't help but smile so yeah I think almost all of my trail running photos I'm <laughs> smiling um which is remarkable given all of my other photos road running <laughs> Uh, so yeah definitely I enjoy enjoy most of it there are times obviously when the hill just drags on and your legs are on fire <laughs> um, but you know it's normally short-lived sort of sort of pain and then when you get to the top you can breathe a little bit that's a good point actually um about heart rate and how on a road marathon for example your heart rate is going to be pretty much the same the whole way around right bar the start um but when you're doing trails you know, inevitably get those rises and drops. It's going to be going higher when you're running up hills. And then, you know, you can't run fast enough down the hill necessarily to get it up to that sort of like really high level. So there's always going to be a sort of an element of recovery to that. And so you get these sort of like moments of misery followed by moments of joy, right? And that sort of makes it more fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like you said, it's a bit of like a journey. Mm. Hmm. What's been your favourite one so far? Oh, it's hard to say that. Um, I really did love the Igo. I think just because that was my first proper experience mm. of, of trying it, it, that was kind of the turning point where I decided that, that this is what I wanted to do. Um, but I also loved. I did the the, the national um, golden trail final, um, which was a three stage event, uh, which was my first three stage event or any stage event, um, and I quite enjoyed that because it was like there was like again less pressure on each day and um it was there was more to think about and it was it was a different stage on a different island in the azores so mm -hmm. and it was about 30 kilometers a day and the first day was from the bottom of the coast to the top so it was pure uphill um and then you get a ferry 
to another island and then the next day uh, did like another route again about 30 kilometers and then the last day was about 35 um but yeah it was tactically quite enjoyable uh and then obviously being on different islands was pretty cool mm. um there was just one on the after the second day the ferry crossing was really really rough so it was like so hard to refuel and things but because it was all of us on the same ferry it was everyone was in the same boat literally (laughs) (laughs) the fun yeah uh so that was pretty cool um and again that that race opened up um a big door for me next year in terms of getting onto the world series um and i got a lot of sponsor offers after that as well so it's kind of when my career took a bit of a turning point so. a, 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 a direct line up by the sounds of things yeah um so yeah i mean that's so and you did ring of steel as well didn't you that was before that up in king oh Leather. god yeah <laughs> no, no, so that's the reaction i've had from everyone i've spoken to uh Tom yeah, Carthy, jordan no I, i've spent some time up there but I'm, i've never been brave enough or fast enough to, to run that race um, oh my god it's insane isn't it it just looks hideous yeah i had to so i had to do that to qualify for the for the national final in the azores so i really didn't want to do it and i kept messaging the guy before because i was panicking about the heights i'm scared of heights um and oh, then out like three or four times i was like i just don't think i just don't think i can do it and i was worried about getting what they call it crag fast don't they when you get stuck, stuck to the rocks yeah. you can't move and I, that's the sort of thing that would happen to me and my wife would <laughs> agree um but i kind of yeah, i don't know how i got there in the end but i did and it wasn't as bad as i thought um people were definitely lying when they said there was at least a meter either side of you all the time there definitely wasn't <laughs> but i think like the adrenaline <clears throat> helped um and I had another girl I was running with most of it and she'd done a lot of sky running before. So it's kind of nice to have her with me on the ridges. Mm. Um, yeah, I did try, just try not to think about it too much. I think if I'd been walking it, it probably would have been different. I probably had more time to panic about and look down. But yeah. I, just, I just, there was points where I wanted to crawl on the, <laughs> but uh, it just, just the terrain was so, really not for me being a road runner. It was so technical. There wasn't a single bit apart from the first and last 800 metres that you can really get going on. There's not much time um, to enjoy the view up there either. With you, we kind of it's so technical, isn't it? You, you you're on your yeah, feet you're gonna, basically, you're looking at your feet you the whole time. Fall off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was supposed so, to go I just, and do that it. That was one I was like proud to finish. I was just like you know, kind of almost conquered a fear a little bit. Um, I'm hoping to do a few more ridge stuff, just walking, hiking, and mm. try and get over it because I think. It's obviously going to be a bit of a problem in the future if I some races they they can be a bit scary. So I was thinking of trying Cribgok on a really nice day one time. I'm I'm hoping to do Dragon's Back next year. Are you? Yeah, it's it's just oh, it, wow. it's kind of it's for for a number of reasons it's come to the fore. My we were sat down um, recently uh, and my wife said I'm going to regret this, but I've just spotted it on iPlayer and she put the documentary of. Um, Dragon's Back, which is on the BBC iPlayer at the moment, on and uh, the the the, fe- the the female host on that was kind of going over uh, the sections, and she caught to Krieg Gok, and I thought, 
you know this this is uh gonna because it's the it's the most uh feared part of that whole race isn't it and and it's so yeah, weather dependent as to how you get across yeah, you don't co- get to choose the weather that day no that's it and then and, and and so that the lady and i'm thinking this is going to get low board now and and she's going no no you know seven people have died on this in the last four years and i and i'm thinking oh well there there goes my chances of um kind of getting acquiescence to go run this and, um, and and no, I think m- maybe my wife doesn't want me around anymore because she said, yeah, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> so go have fun. Get run over the ridge. Um, but yeah, well I mean, if, if you go across Crib Grock, then uh, I think on a, on a, if you can go across that, you can probably get across pretty much anything. Um, it's pretty <laughs> well, the guy, the guy who came edge. second. The guy who came second in that Dragon's Back race, uh, Russell, he's promised he'll do it with me. And I think there's no one better than him. Oh, He's brilliant. probably been across it more than anyone else. So. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that's it. But we'll see. But those fisheye lenses that people like Killian use to do the footage, they don't make it any better, do they? I mean, they, they <laughs> it, it's like having a, a swim in the ocean when all you can think about is the camera from Jaws, you know, looking up at your yeah, feet yeah. and waddling away. Um, yeah. Yeah, we interview- kind of distort the reality of it a bit. I mean, I'm sure it's pretty scary, but... Oh, it's not as bad as they look on those lenses. No, it makes it look more precarious and that they're moving faster than they actually are because, of course, it's so wide, it's sweeping away landscape quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And therefore, yeah, utterly terrifying. Great for brands like GoPro, though. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So kind of as you've moved up, you, you still have a coach. I know, I'm self coaching now. Self-coaching now. And and so in the field, um, moving from, and and this is kind of a two-part question really, moving from road to to trail, A, do you find that the kind of, is there more or less camaraderie in the the running fields, uh, road or trail? And I'm not trying to create a road trail schism here. It's just kind of your opinion on it. And then then kind of, is there more, because I've always experienced lots of knowledge sharing in road running uh, sorry trail running it's very collegiate i found people are always willing to share tips and tricks and advice and stuff but that's at my level so at the kind of high competitive level do you find that there's a difference between the two um disciplines and do you feel that the people maybe um treat each other slightly differently yeah i'd say trail running is definitely more relaxed um maybe want to like yeah i guess like egos are a bit smaller maybe um like i said people are there for more lots of the runners are kind of there for the experience as well as the competition Mm. sometimes experience first and competition second although you know the runners i've experienced in the trail are the strongest like athletes you know i've competed against you know it's really tough you don't realize how tough it is till you start training for it and doing it but I would say, like, the actual atmosphere, like, before a race, if you see all the athletes that you've competed against before, it's really relaxed and, um, yeah, just different vibe completely to, to road running. Although, like, I've got friends on the road, it is, it is much more kind of secretive in terms of training and um, – but – yeah. I guess it's, it's, it's much more you against – I've always felt, anyway, it's much more you against the course rather than – the people around yeah. you to the degree the course can break everyone um, yeah and it's def- definitely and, and different courses suit different people and you just don't know and, and also i don't really know the competition as well on the trail yet so i don't know who suits what course so it's it's useless like there's no like power of 10 for example to look at i suppose it's itra but itra 
but it's it's not a representative, I don't think, because they might have a really high ITRA score, but not necessarily. Well, it depends this, on your competition like in the races for ITRA as well, doesn't it? You've got to kind of yeah. match yourself up against others to... To, you've got to be in competitive, varied fields to really get a true indication of where you are in their rankings. Uh, yeah. We had Jordan Clay on chatting about that. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting, isn't it? How um, I definitely feel that it's you against the the the, the environment in trail running. But um, yeah, yeah, I think um, it's a whole different. I mean, it's a whole different culture, isn't it? I, I love people who are road runners and like compete for sort of ten k's half marathons, marathons, especially if they're competitive, are likely to be in running clubs, right? And that's a whole sort of culture that trail running doesn't really have. Although there are groups of people that go running, it's far less organized than, you know, a club with a track with, you know, we'll meet this day and do intervals, we'll meet this day and do a long run or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Um, we just don't really have that in trail running at all. It's it's like a WhatsApp message, you want to go for a run? <laughs> <laughs> And the communities, I guess, is a bit smaller. So yeah. um, already I, I, I kind of know a lot of the trail runners and I've bumped into them a few times um, in the same races and looking forward to the races this year, seeing which others are doing. I'll probably already know half of them or some of them at least. Um, have you had you know, any hero yeah. moments yet? Have you ever have you bumped into somebody you've gone, you've been a bit starstruck or? Well, because I, I don't have my background in trail, I, none of them are my heroes. Are. That might be really cool, <laughs> yeah. What's your name then? Oh, it's, uh, it's Killian. Oh, you're right. You've been yeah. doing this long. <laughs> Honestly, obviously, I, I host this podcast, but I don't really know who anyone is either. Um, Jay, just, Jay, Jay just basically says, ah, oh, we've got this person coming on. I'm like, cool. I do Google. Um, <laughs> Could be I, anyone. I, I don't know who anyone is really. <laughs> I saw I, I saw Paula Radcliffe once in the hotel when I did the elite start for London Marathon. I saw her in the hotel and I was quite starstruck then. And I sh- and I share because I, sh- I guess my background is road. Most of like the people I looked up to were, were all mm. road runners. And I also did the race with Joe Pavey that year. She was on the elite start and we dropped out at the same point, <laughs> so we got the tube back to the hotel <laughs> together. So <laughs> that was quite cool. Have you, Which have you, year was that? Was that the really hot one? Uh, I don't remember if it was. No, it wasn't. No, I worked on that one. As I did the medical cover for that one. Right. <laughs> it was just I was just injured. So. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of injuries, have you had any? Uh, you mentioned about your stress fracture. Um, like what? What? What have you sort of learned over the years in terms of maintenance? strength training, whatever, to sort of prevent these things from happening and how do you manage recovery? Yeah, so um, injuries have kind of been listed with injury throughout my road running career at least. Um, so I've had three or four stress fractures um, and they seem to be the main thing actually. I had Achilles problems as well. Uh, but I, when I sort of stopped road running, I was kind of getting them almost every year Um and it was only about maybe two years ago or a year and a half that I decided to just knock the mileage on the head completely. So as before, I just thought, I believed that you couldn't do well in running full stop if you didn't run 100 miles a week. Um, it's kind of just what's floated about, isn't it? Um, but I was kind of inspired by a few other athletes um, who have done really well and actually got to Olympics on 50 miles a week and cross-training the rest. So I kind of thought, well, it's, it's my only 
real last option because I couldn't find there was no physical reason that I kept getting stress fractures. I had all the investigations and my tr- nutrition was looked at, my bloods, everything, my dexes and things like that were all fine. Um, so it, just my anatomy maybe that was the problem, um, which I can't really change that, the like shape of my tibias. Um, so I thought, well, the last thing I have is just to cut the mileage and see how that works. So I went from doing about 100, now I do maximum 60 but mostly 50 miles a week Mm. um but heavily supplementing on top still doing the same volume i guess maybe actually more volume because with the bike you can obviously go out for a lot longer which is quite nice um so for example one day a week now i just i'll either so one of my days is completely replaced with cycling and that day i'll i can do anything whatever i feel like that day as long as it's all in a low heart rate zone so could even do five six hours on the bike and it would be fine as long as it was all within a low heart rate um and then all my double run days are ditched and instead i instead of my easy run in the evening i'll go on the bike for for 45 minutes to an hour um so that's a major thing that's that i've changed and since doing that i haven't had it you know touch with no injuries injuries at all and i feel better like i feel like i can do my sessions better i feel like i've got my energy um yeah, I think that was that's been a major thing for me, and, and just believing that it does work. You don't have to run that amount of mileage. I think um, everyone's different. Some people, if you can, it's great, but um, everyone's different what they can tolerate, and especially if you're working alongside it as well, you've got to kind of take into account that kind of stress. Um, yeah, because your hours yeah. used to be extremely brutal. I remember we chatted before when you were down in Cornwall about your hours uh, with your medical profession. You're a doctor, and and they, I mean, those alone sound an endurance event to me. Um, yeah. And and which has always been that kind of yeah. You know, I was chatting to a doctor friend recently about how their hours just seem so ridiculous because it puts you in a really extreme mental state, and you've got to make these life or death decisions, and it's like that's the worst possible scenario to make these decisions when you're so tired. Um, yeah. I mean, that must help with ultra training though, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's, um, yeah. yeah. So you, you, as a doctor alone, you, 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 it must've benefited you bringing your mileage down, you know? Yeah, definitely. And not having this pressure or feeling like you're going to drag yourself out for that second run a day when you're knackered. It's actually really nice just spinning your legs on the bike and watching telly. <laughs> um, and yeah, you know, your heart and lungs don't know the difference as long as you, it's still working to to a reasonable degree but again it's an easy it's an easy session so yeah it doesn't matter too much um and then another big thing is i i I never kind of leave out is strength training Mm. i really prioritize that i do i do two big strength training a week so that's about an hour and a half each time in the gym um and i've got i'm lucky to have the leeds talent hub so through that i get like a strength coach um, oh, that's good. and that's kind of periodized with my training so in the winter it'll be lots of heavy double leg stuff and now in the summer now I'm competing it's kind of lighter single leg um and more plyometric stuff mm. uh but I've quite, it's good to have the guidance with that especially with technique um to make sure that because obviously it's no point doing it if you're doing it crap and then getting mm. injury from doing um but yeah I mean things like things like Achilles problems since doing that and doing like loaded calf stuff. I've, I've never had any niggles from my, from my Achilles since that. So it's definitely beneficial. 
Yeah, um, well, I, I mean, I've, I've been doing strength training on and off for about two years, um, but I've been really bad at committing to it. And now I have a strength coach, and six months that's been going on, and which isn't obviously that long a period of time. But so far, so good. No injuries, and I feel great doing it. I mean, the first few sessions, I, I'm, I'm up to two days a week now as well. Um, and it feels like a, it's started to feel like a really important component of training. Like it's not just something I'm doing and I don't really know why I can feel the, I can feel its benefits in my running as, as well as obviously just being able to lift heavier weights than I used to be able to. Um, yeah. And you can progress as well. So that's quite rewarding when you're doing it as mm, well. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it, it is doing it consistently is like mm. the most important thing. Cause if I take a week off, for example, so when I'm tapering for a race, I, do, I obviously reduce the load, but I really feel it the next week. If, you know, even yeah. if I miss a few sessions, you have to really do it consistently all the yeah. time because it, it, you lose it so quickly. I, I found the trick for that um, because I was doing most of it at home with kettlebells. <clears throat> and, you know, we designed a program that could basically cover all bases using just kettlebells and body weight. Um, but I was that occasionally like... Oh, really want to do that session today and go outside and lift a kettlebell around so the solution i found was just to buy a gym membership and um so now i've got to pay every single month and i'm tight so the thought of not <laughs> using that gym membership is it's just too much for me so i'd rather just go but it, it's got to the point now where i quite enjoy going i look forward to the days where i'm going to the gym and you know spend an hour in there it's good i yeah, also I get to use you, the first if you go to the gym, it's kind of like you're there and you just like get it done. Whereas I guess if you're at home, it's yeah. easier to be distracted. And Much more <laughs> optional, yeah. The telly's so close. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But um, they've got a stair stepper as well, a stair climber, which I really enjoy using as well because especially if I'm training for something with a fair bit of elevation into it. Because, yeah, you can do hill repeats and all that sort of stuff, but nothing quite beats the sort of um you know sustained stress on your uh, on your calves and on your hamstrings on everything i bought a stair stepper i hate it <laughs> really, you have one at home yeah i really wow. really hate you it you've one at home have you jay yeah it's just behind me there that's pretty cool no yeah. it's not it's awful <laughs> yeah. I, they I, are good because because like that's essentially what some of the in the alps and things that's what the train is that's like, what i bought it for um, up, yeah i watched steve cousins film of ccc which i'm doing in august as everybody i've bored everyone to tears with ccc i'm so excited uh i can't stop mentioning it and um yeah. <laughs> but it's my next big race as well now so i'm kind of like yeah but um i'll see you there i'll see you at utmb week i know it's gonna be so cool so many people are going out there i'm, I'm really yeah. really stoked and i don't use that word often but i am about um chamonix it's gonna be really really cool this year uh, um yeah watched his film and he got to the top of the, the climb um after two and a half hours of climbing and his face just looks ashen and i and i just at that po moment my my backside puckered up and i thought oh god what have i done and um so i bought a stair climber yeah it was like yeah. wait, if you're climbing for two and a half hours at the start of the race you better practice climbing sunshine yeah so, you've been on it for two and a half hours yet no um i got it <laughs> so i got on it and i said right I'm, I'm gonna do this for 20 minutes so i thought start off gentle 20 minutes is, is feels like a, a decent you know test and and i was on it and i set an alarm on my what on my phone sorry and uh after maybe 25 minutes my alarm hadn't got off gone off so i i got off the step i walked over to my phone and i'd only done seven minutes so like, you're yeah. shitting me it does time does slow down oh my god about that. 
But and it's lots cool. of girls do it in the gym to get like big booties, big don't booties. they? Yeah. yeah, that's really why I do it. Really, it's not about race. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we've been outed. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 quite brutal and and obviously quite monotonous, just like the treadmill is. <laughs> the gym I go to, they've got um, programs where you can sort of go right. I'm going to climb um, the shard or um, the Burj Khalifa or whatever, um, the World Trade Center Tower in New York. So I guess the, there's a sort of certain incentive there, like, all right, cool, well, I climbed, climbed the Burj Khalifa today. Mm. But, yeah, it takes a while. That's pretty cool. I was um, – I, I, actually, my wife mentioned it the other day. She, she was doing some um, online coaching with, with some people, um, business coaching stuff, and um, the, the lady there was talking about um, making things habitual and one of the things that this the, the takeaways from this was um, people are locked into um, streaks, create, creating a streak of performances. And, and so what this uh, particular coach was suggesting was make a, a grid where every time you do something, a bit like these 30-day yoga challenges where you have a, a natural instinct to want to carry on the streak of performances. So you do yoga every day for 30 days. And these things are basically having a visual representation where you walk over to a board and put an X on the day to say you've been done. And, and each, it, they reckon that's a, it, it taps into something inside us that really responds to that. So going over and marking off the day to say, right, I've, that's my... Like a sticker chart. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and it, and it, I, th- I think the, the, the one that I've been exposed to most are these 30-day yoga challenges and, and, and I can get that. And, and so that's kind of what I've been doing with it. And I, my stepper actually came with a massive chart um, where you can do that and just cross them off each day and, and it's not got enough but it's on it. it's not, not inspired you to use it. <laughs> it's barren. It really is. Oh. Well, that just doesn't. So, so this whole idea of having a chart doesn't work. Right, well, only if you get addicted to it. And I've just, I've, I've managed my addiction really well by not doing it enough. But I've outed myself again here. So, um, right, I have to go on it. Uh, I think you should do it now, Jay. Give us what, a demo. In the background. It's quite, yeah. it's quite squeaky. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's a whole youtube channel on its own it must be a beast but they're, they're, i always think stair steps has got to be big right because it, obviously it's got a human sort of stomping up and down it but also it's like a higher center of gravity than most of the other machines in the gym so it's got to be very stable you get screwed into the floor i've got a cut down version basically all right but um i've just actually met somebody who's uh refurbishes gym equipment nationally so i'm trying to tap them up for a if you're listening you know who you are uh, i'm trying to tap you up for a, a a professional stepping machine that i can pop in a garage so um yeah and a concept two rower okay i'll leave I'll it there. A rower. since we're since we're putting the question i'll take that <laughs> well it's my birthday next week so come on people um <laughs> Yeah. I'm actually selling my. Um, I've got a Watt bike behind me. As you can see. Well, you, you two can. Um, oh, they're great. They're Evil. really good. I've had it for <laughs> three years, and it has. I mean, I've done thousands and thousands of, of miles on it. Um, but I'm selling it because I've, I've got Watt bikes at the gym now, and if I want to use them, they're great. And I don't know. I just I sort of lost the love of sitting on a static, even doing Zwift. It's like a bit kind of like oh god. <laughs> Um, but when the weather's horrific, it's yeah. like so much better. When the weather's horrific, up. horrific, I'm like, you know, like, you know, um, do you know Jocko Willink? The uh, he's like an ex Navy SEAL and has a big podcast called the Jocko Podcast, and um, he's all like, he's a big motivational speaker, um, 
and does a lot of business consultancy as well to sort of make businesses work better because he was managing the SEAL teams. And so it was all about like operational structure and everything. Anyway, he, he has this great monologue, which you can find on YouTube. I think it's just called Good. And <laughs> it's basically around how like when, and whenever anything turned bad when he was in the SEALs or any, anything went wrong, he'd always, his response was always Good. Because that means you then have to sort of pivot. You need to react to whatever that problem is. It means you need to improve yourself and get better. So whenever it's bad weather outside, I'm always like, good. Because that means I have, I'm going to have a you know potentially a miserable training session, but I'll come out of it stronger and better so that when I come to race, I've already been through all that shit and it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I've, I've felt the, the hard times. You don't apply this to sort of children yeah. falling over in front of you and stuff like that. As they fall over, you go, good. Yeah. Well, do you know what? A little bit of it's worn off on my, my parenthood, <laughs> parenting, um, um, much to my wife's dismay. So, but it, I, I'm like the kind of like, well, you fall off the horse, then you get back on again kind of parent. So it's like, well, look, that happened. Let's work out why it happened. Let's make sure it doesn't happen again and improve. You know, that's basically the same philosophy as good. That was like my uh, race last weekend. I should have just said good when I fell over and hit my head. <laughs> I wonder what other people who didn't know that that was your philosophy would say. They're like, wow, so, so odd. I think, I think she might might have something wrong. She's stumbling around the place looking very dizzy saying good. <laughs> the runner next to me, like when I get up, I'm like, yeah, good. Oh, good. I did that. <laughs> your, your dad's a bit of a runner as well, isn't he, Elsie? Yeah, just a just yeah, a little bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's run for a long time. He's kind of plows out sub three hour marathons every year. Well, until he's kind of he did one when he he did a sub three when he was sixty, um, and then since then it's been a pandemic and he's getting a bit older, so <laughs> uh. they're running away from him. But yeah, he's he's kind of one of the reasons I got into it so much, and he helped me kind of do my first marathon and stuff. So it's it's nice to share it with him. That's, so is he going to try just to hold on to sub three as long as he can? Is that the plan? I think he's let that dream melt away a little bit. Mm. Um, he does a, he does coaching now, um, and he still competes, but it gets harder and harder to get that sub three. I've tried to get him into some vapor flies, so we bought him some, but he said they hurt his quads, so <laughs> 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 he's not sold on them. I've got um, a few friends who. Um, every year they run on their birthday and they've got to try and do it in under their age, a 10k and under their age, which isn't particularly challenging for someone like you, Elsie, or, or a, you know, a very fast runner. But I suppose as you get older, it does get harder, and especially when you get into your 80s, maybe. In fact, it's hardest when you're young, of course. Um, yeah. If you're in your early 30s, then <laughs> it's a little bit harder to get a... Uh, a, you know, thirty-one minute ten k, or even in your mid twenties, is is virtually impossible. So, um, so yeah, that'd be a good one for me challenge. actually. Because I'm thirty-three and my PB is like thirty-three, thirty. So I should make that my. There challenge. you go. Then see if you can. Well, <laughs> I don't. I don't reckon you're going to lose a minute every year for the foreseeable future. So you'll be all right. <laughs> I think the first time I met you, Elsie, you came in to see me, and you just done. Is it, I think it was Barcelona. And you told me the time or the time that you wanted to do in Barcelona. I can't remember which, but it rem- I remember it blo- as, a, as a, a, a slow trail runner. It completely tripped me out in terms of reality check. I couldn't quite, I, I, yeah, just 
couldn't quite put the numbers together. Um, and I remember kind of doing it afterwards, doing the maths and going, holy shit, never in my days. I'd have to use a bike to go that fast. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it is, it's phenomenal the speed that some people can travel at into much into their older age, uh, but not for me. Um, what would be your top tip for someone wanting to, if we haven't already covered it, by the way, but what would be your top tip for someone wanting to move from road to trail? Because I get asked this question a lot. Is it not bad for you? Is it, you know, is it worse for your body? Is it harder? And I always say it's much easier to transition from trail to road in terms of strength, I would say. But what would be your top tip to move from road to trail? Give it a go or what What would you advise people? Yeah, I mean, it's like a lot of it, but it depends what, if you have any experience on trails at all. Um, and it's just building confidence on the trail as well because obviously – um, getting that proprioception takes a while mm. with, you know, the ground is moving underneath you sometimes. So even if you just start by going for walks on hard trail um, and also appreciating that it is okay to walk a lot of time, you know, a lot of time if I'm out on a run uh, and it feels like my heart rate is going too high, I will just walk. And if you feel uncomfortable going down hills or anything like that, just take it really easy to start with. And it does you gradually build confidence as time goes on. Um, you don't necessarily see it all at once and it takes a while, but kind of sticking with it. And I guess having a pair of trail shoes that fit you, and I actually would recommend going half a size up because... You hear that, Tris? You, you want to... Those toenails. toenails. Like me. Yeah, I've got a horrible set of feet. <laughs> Snap. <laughs> I was wearing a size too small for me for ages and only realised recently and it's been a revelation. Oh, well, I've feet. just gone through exactly the same process. So, yeah. yeah. Did you get your feet measured in a shop and they said it was like, I was like, oh, no, I'm a six. And he was like, well, the chart, the you know, <laughs> math says that it's, you're a seven. I, I, and, uh, I, didn't, I didn't go through that. Pro- I didn't need to go through that process. My, my feet just kept telling me that I was wearing shoes that were too small. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I've, I've sized up a little bit now and it's fine. It's, it's never been an issue. The thing is, it's never been an issue over like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours of running, even three hours of running. But it's when I do, when I do the events and, you know, you're on your feet for better part of a day, that's when it starts to become a problem and like levering up toenails and things like that. If anybody so, wants to see a subungual hematoma, there's a great one on our podcast, on our podcast uh, Instagram feed from Trissy's foot. <laughs> don't eat, look at it. If anyone know. wants to see that, I don't know. I don't know if anyone would want to see that. I'm keep, <laughs> keeping it up there. Um, <laughs> I've got another, I've got another question the doors, I had one on every single toe for those. Oh my God. Yeah, it was like, oh, God, yeah, yeah, not good. So, um, so we t- we've talked a little bit about training. Um, I'm interested just to sort of understand how your training has changed, um, both in terms of, you, you mentioned that you're doing, you know, less, less um, volume of running, but how has your training changed in respect of moving from road to, to trail? Um, you know, what are you doing in res- like with hills and things like that? And are you sort of still hitting the same kind of intensity levels across an entire week you know like this much in zone five this much in zone two or whatever uh yeah so like i said my mileage is cut down i think obviously you spend a lot more time because the miles are slower on trail you end up spending more time on feet so Mm. um i think you've got to factor that in if you were if you're moving from road to trail as well is that 
um, you know, each mile isn't worth the same. Um, so keep more keeping an eye on on time rather than distance. Um, and I still keep one road session in or track session in most weeks. I've got a group I train with. Um, they're about 33 minute 10k runners so it's been really good to kind of jump in with them occasionally and make because I, I, part of my strength on the trail is that I have that speed and I guess if you're at the top of a hill not having the confidence that you've got the speed to get down fast it is quite good in races so I, I do think it although it's less important it is good to maintain some sort of road speed if you want to be competitive um and also it keeps your efficiency what good um so I do one one of those a week and then the other session will be I normally alternate between like kind of long hill reps um or short hill reps so today I did um I'm on like a bit of recovery from a race last weekend but I did three times 10 minute hills quite quite steep um and I did those to heart rate so I kind of tried to stick them at threshold kind of pace um those can be better if, sometimes if you could do them on a treadmill because you don't have to all that descent in your legs um, and, and less recovery because I find it harder to get long hills long enough to to get enough out of it, if you know what I mean. So that can be done either either on kind of trails or, or, or treadmill. And then like perhaps the next week it will be shorter um, or like fartlek kind of stuff. So um, one of my favourites is doing... I do 16 times a minute. So you do a minute uphill and then continuous uphill. So a a minute uphill and then 30 seconds kind of jogging and then 30 seconds hard. So like kind of 90 second rep with 30 seconds in between and that last 30 seconds pretty hard as as much as you can and then back down. I do 16 of those. Um, And then I guess like in between my elevation is just way different so i'll do between eight to ten thousand feet a week um whereas before it'd be on the road it'd be you know two maybe max um so yeah i do try and make sure that a lot of my long runs are as hilly as possible and i often will travel to the lake district for those um and also just like going new places so it's a good excuse to go and explore somewhere new find me some new hills um and I will very occasionally will practice downhills, but normally limit that practice to races because um, the injury risk, obviously. Uh, but it but it is good sometimes just on runs to to say, oh, today I'm going to kind of work hard at running hard down the hills, but sort of controlled hard, not hard so you fall on your face. Yeah. Um, it's a skill, isn't it? It's, a, it's it's picking out a route and moving over the ground is is something that needs to be practiced. Um, yeah. It, and, and it's pick- kind of, yeah like clocking the path 10 meters ahead rather mm. than straight in front of your feet it's something that it's just it gradually you gradually get better at it just with experience and, a lot and of mistakes from race, from racing. <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah yeah and having the right shoes for the train but yeah i think it's one of the things that comes from nighttime running on trails as well you get that very focused head torch beam just on the terrain mm. in front of you and uh, that that dials you in quite nicely. Yeah, that's good. That's Exclusion good point, of everything Maybe else. I should try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like running with uh, blinkers on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, we better wrap. Um, that's been really good fun. 
Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, Great to chat to you, we'd babe. love to have you on again at some point. And, and next time you're in Cornwall, hit us up and uh, definitely go for a run. There's always a great track around Cardinum up near Triss's, um, which is yeah, good that'd fun. Yeah, that great. But yeah. Ah, brilliant. Well, good luck. What's next, by the way? What's your next race? I'm doing a marathon in Sierra Nevada, a uh, trail marathon, obviously. That and sounds then, hell. Uh, that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've lost trust. And then uh, Yorkshire Three Peaks is the is the I want to do the European Championship. So the Yorkshire Three Peaks, which is a bit of a highway actually, I, I, I wrecked it, and it's mostly you probably do it in a pair of vaporflies. It's uh, oh wow, <laughs> you know, because people walk it like it's uh, a bit of a rat run. So it's just all paved. Oh really. wow, ideal. Uh, so I might go and wreck it this weekend, and that's at the end of April. Cool. cool. Alrighty. Um, well, look, thanks for coming on, and um, that was fun. And thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next time. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Trail and Error podcast. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to like, subscribe, and most important of all, share it with your friends and your family. Also, if you have any guest suggestions or suggestions for features that you would like to see on the Trail and Error podcast, please get in touch with us via our social media channels at trail underscore and underscore error underscore UK. It makes more sense when it's written down, I promise you. Oh, and we're on Facebook too. See you next time. Thanks for listening.